The scripture reading this morning is from Genesis 37, the first through the 11th verses, and it's found in the Pew Bible if you want to follow along on page 30. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this that you have had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you. So his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks. So uh, a few years ago, a young man named Zach Brown had a dream. Uh, Zach had a very small dream. It wasn't a very big dream at all. Zach's dream was that one day he would make a potato salad. It was, it was the summer. It was the beginning of July. The 4th of July was coming, and, and the 4th of July got Zach thinking about cookouts, and cookouts got him thinking about potato salad, and, and Zach suddenly realized that even though he enjoyed potato salad, he had never actually made a potato salad. He said, I'd like to make a potato salad. It would be nice just once to, to try making a potato salad. Uh, the problem was that... Zach was a young man. He was living in Columbus, Ohio, and like a lot of young people, he didn't have a lot of extra money lying around uh, for ingredients for a potato salad. In fact, he didn't have any extra money at all. Zach figured that it would take maybe $10 to buy the ingredients to, to make a potato salad, but he didn't have 10 extra dollars in his budget. He didn't have five extra dollars lying around, but Zach, he didn't let go of this dream. Zach decided to try something that he'd never tried before. Zach decided to, to create a Kickstarter page. Do you know about Kickstarter? Kickstarter is a website that helps people make their dreams come true. So if you want to, to write a novel or if you want to make a movie, you can create a Kickstarter webpage where you, you tell people about this dream, this vision that you have, and people can read about your dream, your vision, and if they believe in you, if they want to see your dream come true, then they can make a donation. They be, can become your, your investors, your, your benefactors. Zach decided that he would make a Kickstarter page for his, his potato salad dream. And of course, this was more than a little bit tongue-in-cheek, right? 
Most of the people who make a, a page on Kickstarter are trying to raise thousands of dollars or, or even millions of dollars. Zach was just trying to raise $10, and he knew that it was, it was a little bit ridiculous, a bit of a, a joke, but he figured, hey, maybe a couple of people will see my page, and they'll read about my potato salad dream, and they'll think it's funny, and maybe they'll chip in a couple dollars, and then I'll be able to, to buy the ingredients and make my potato salad. You never know what might happen, he said. And so he created this page. He put his dream out there in the world, and then the the strangest thing started to happen. Zach got a donation, and then he got two donations, and then he got two dozen donations, and then he got 200 donations, and then he got 2,000 donations. The donations started coming in from all around the world by the thousands. It turned out that, that people really did think his dream was funny, funny enough that they wanted to chip in and, and to be part of this, this project. And so, so a few weeks after he created this page, about a month later at the beginning of August, suddenly Zach looked at this webpage and discovered that he, he had amassed $55,000 in donations from people towards his towards his potato salad. And of course, that got people talking. News about Zach's potato salad dream got out. It got into the news, and, and you know people all got a good giggle about this man and his potato salad dream. And that, that of course, that is when the backlash started. Right? As this dream got bigger and bigger, as more and more people got a kick and a giggle out of, out of Zach's dream, people, people started pushing back. More and more people started leaving critical messages, hateful messages, angry messages on his Kickstarter webpage. Some people, some people were, were bitter. One man wrote on Zach's page, I don't understand why nobody wants to help me write my novel, but people are willing to donate towards a stupid potato salad. Some people, some people were a little bit more philosophical. One person wrote on Zach's page, this is, this is the epitome of everything that is wrong with humanity right now, that people are willing to donate to a potato salad, but they won't kick in a, a couple bucks to cure cancer. Some people, some people took on the whole idea of potato salad itself. One person wrote, potato salad is just a fallback for when people with taste have eaten all the coleslaw. Zach, <laughs> Zach's page, oh, we, we stirred up controversy with that one. Zach's, Zach's page was filled with all of these hateful messages. His page was suddenly overwhelmed with a, a tidal wave of, of rebuke and derision and scorn and criticism. And, and Zach discovered that summer, he discovered the hard way that this world is filled, filled with critical people. Now, this world is filled with people who just can't stand to see somebody else being happy. This world is filled with people who just can't stand to see somebody else excited about something. This world is filled with people who just can't stand to see somebody achieving their dreams. There are people in this world who just live to get out of bed in the morning to tear other people down. There are people in this world who just can't wait to throw a wet blanket over the dreamers of this world. This world is filled with critics and and angry, bitter, hateful people. Have you met some of those people? Have you ever encountered some of those people, those people who just can't wait to tell you everything that is wrong with your dream, everything that you're doing wrong? I've met some of those people. Back when I was in high school, I was, uh, I was a, a little bit of a word nerd. I liked, I liked writing. I especially liked writing poetry. I loved, I loved rhyming and rhythm and wordplay. And when I was in high school, I found out that there was, a, at our high school, there was a, a writer's club. All of the word nerds would get together after school, and they would, they would write things, and they would share what they had written and talk about writing and, and give constructive feedback. And I thought, how much fun is this? I'm going to go hang out with all the other word nerds after school. And so I started going. Going to, the, going to the writing club. I thought this was going to be a, a wonderful thing, but it, it turns out it was, not, it was not exactly what I expected. There was this, this guy in the, the writing club, a young man. He was one year ahead of me in school. 
This, this was a guy I had always looked up to. He was the smartest person I'd ever met, the coolest person I'd ever met, the funniest person I'd ever met. This was the guy who could make all of the teachers laugh. This was the guy who was always completely relaxed and comfortable around girls in a way that, that I never was at that age. This was, this was the guy who, who you knew was going to go places and do great things in, in, in his life. He was the guy who knew the words, all of the words to the next big album before anybody else had even heard of the band. I wanted to, I wanted to be just like this guy. He'd always been a, a bit of a hero, a role model for me. But when I got to this, this club, this writing club, I discovered that he was not who I always thought he, he, had, he had been. You know, looking back now, I can see that, that actually what was going on was that he was a, a deeply insecure person. And he needed to make himself feel better about himself by always being the center of attention. And one of the ways in which he would do that was by tearing around, tearing down all of the people around him. And so we would go to this writer's club and I would share poems that I had written. And week after week, he would say the same thing. He would say, oh, he would say, more rhymes. He would say, is that all that you can do? Rhyme, rhyme, rhyme. He said, everything that you write sounds like bad Dr. Zeus. And every week, every week we had the same conversation. Every week he would tear apart everything I had, had written until finally I stopped going to the writer's club. And then I stopped writing. It was more than 15 years before I wrote another poem. It was more than 15 years before I, I wrote another rhyme. That's how much his discouragement got into my heart. That's how much his discouragement and criticism got, got into my head. I stopped writing completely for, for a decade and a half. Have you ever met people like that? Have you ever run into people who just need to tear everyone else down in order to feel important and feel good about themselves? Have you ever run into those people who just, just don't feel themselves if they're not criticizing somebody and telling people, everything everything they're doing wrong. Have you ever met people like Joseph's brothers? In this morning's scripture reading, we have this, this story about a young man named Joseph. As we pick up the story today, Joseph is, is a young man. He's a teenager in a, a big and, and deeply dysfunctional family, right? Joseph has got 10 older brothers, and he's got one younger brother, and he's got a sister too, but we hardly ever talk about the sister, and she doesn't really feature in this story. And, and Joseph, at the beginning of the story today, he's a young man with all of these older brothers. He's also a young man with, with dreams, with lots of dreams, with literal, actual dreams. Every night God gives Joseph dreams, dreams that are so vivid, dreams that are so powerful and so real to him that Joseph knows, he is convinced that they must have some deeper significance. They must have some greater purpose and meaning. And so what does Joseph do when he gets up in the morning? He goes and sits down at the breakfast table, and while all of those brothers are eating their frosted flakes, he tells his brothers about their dreams. He says, hey, guys, guess what? I had this dream last night. Okay, listen to this. Here's what happened. So we were out in the field, and we were harvesting wheat, and we were making sheaves, and then all of a sudden, right, get this, my sheaf stood up straight, and then all of your sheaves gathered round, and your sheaves bowed down to my sheep. Isn't that weird? What do you think that means, Joseph would say? And all of his brothers would say, we think it means you need to keep your dreams to yourself, Joseph. We think, we think it means that we don't want to hear anymore about your dreams. Joseph's brothers got, got so angry with him. They would rebuke him and discourage him morning after morning. They didn't want to hear about his dreams. They told him to keep his dreams to himself. Finally, it got to the point where even Joseph's parents, even his dad, rebuked him and said, just stop with the dreams already. Nobody, nobody wants to hear about your dreams. They all thought Joseph was getting too big for his britches. They all worked hard to, to put Joseph in his place. All of his, all of his brothers gave up on him and turned against him. Everyone, everyone turned against Joseph. Everyone that is, everyone except for God. 
Now, the story goes that, that everyone turned against Joseph except for God, but God never gave up on Joseph. Night after night, God kept giving Joseph these dreams, and God kept whispering in Joseph's ear, I have created you for some great purpose. I have a plan for your life. Keep going. Follow your dreams. Don't give up. Listen to the things that I am saying to. God encourages Joseph when everyone else turns away from him. And of course, of course, that's what God does. That's what God does. One of the things that we learn about God when we read the stories of the Bible is that our God is a God of encouragement. You know, one of the first things that happens in the Bible, the first thing that happens in the Bible is that God creates the heavens and the earth and everything that is. What is the second thing that God does after God creates all of, all of these things? The second thing God does is God looks at everything God has created and God sees that it is good. God says, hey, that's pretty good. Good work, me. God the creator pats God the word on the shoulder and says, well done. You did a great job with that. God the son turns to God the spirit and says, that's fantastic what you did there. I love what you did with the the mountains and the birds and the fish. That's terrific. The Bible begins with a story of, of encouragement. And, and how does the story of creation end? Jesus says the story of God's creation ends in this way. All of God's children will gather around our creator and our creator will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. The story of creation begins with words of encouragement from God. It ends with words of encouragement from God. And God encourages us every page in between those two moments. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the encourager with a capital E. The Apostle Paul calls God the one who gives us eternal encouragement. Our God is a God of encouragement because God understands that this world is filled with critical, bitter, resentful people who want to tear our dreams apart. This world is filled with people who make our days, who make our lives difficult. And so God walks beside us through this world constantly whispering into our ears, into our hearts, I created you for some great purpose. Don't give up. I have a plan. I have a dream. I have a vision for your life. God is always, always speaking words of encouragement into our hearts. How beautiful would it be if our churches came to reflect that kind of, of steadfast, encouraging love? What would the church look like if we, in a world of bitterness and resentment and criticism, if we became an oasis of encouragement? I'll tell you what it would look like. I got to see some, something like, just like this happen a couple weeks ago. So a couple weeks ago, I was, I was up at camp with a bunch of elementary school campers. And at the camp that we go to, there's this playground, and there are swings and monkey bars and slides and all of these fun playground things for kids to climb on. And, and, and there is this one piece of equipment in the middle of that playground that in all of the years I've been going up to camp, the, the campers have more or less ignored. In the middle of that playground, in the middle of all the slides and swings and things, there is a climbing pole. It sticks straight up out of the ground, just a pole sticking up out of the ground, maybe 15, maybe 20 feet. The idea is that kids will, will climb the pole and see if they can get to the top and, and smack their hand on the top. In all of the years I've been going up to camp, I've never seen a camper try to climb that pole. It just always looked too discouraging. It just always looked too intimidating. But a couple weeks ago, as I was up at camp, there was a moment when, when we were waiting for a meal to be ready and all of the campers were just passing time on the, on the playground. And suddenly there came a moment when one of the campers decided he, he was going to give that pole a try. And so he walked over to it, he, he grabbed it up high, and then he wrapped his feet around it and started shimmying his way up, inch 
by inch by inch. And a couple other campers noticed what he was doing, and so they came and they stood at the bottom of the pole to watch to see if he could do it, and that attracted more campers, and more and more campers came until the whole camp suddenly was gathered around the bottom of this pole, watching this camper climb the pole to see if he could make it. And as he made his way up and up and up the pole, all of the other campers who were there were shouting words of encouragement, way to go, you can do it, keep going, well done, you're going to make it. And when he finally got to the top of the pole, when he slapped his hand on top of the pole, everybody standing at the bottom of the pole went wild. They went crazy. Everybody shared in the joy of his achievement and the joy of his accomplishment. People were standing at the bottom of the pole giving each other high fives. It was a, a beautiful moment, but even more beautiful is what happened next. And that camper, he slid down the pole, and then another camper grabbed hold and started making their way up the pole. And then another camper, and then another camper, and then another camper, all of, after years of completely ignoring this climbing pole, suddenly every camper who was there wanted to give it a try. They took turns one at a time. This atmosphere, this environment of encouragement gave them the courage to climb, to try to climb this pole. Some of them made it all the way to the top. Some of them only made it a few inches off the ground. But every time a camper tried to climb that pole, all of the other campers stood around the bottom of the pole and shouted, good job, way to go, well done, you can do it, you're doing great. Every camper, no matter how far they got up the pole, every camper came down smiling. Wouldn't it be beautiful if church was like that? Wouldn't it be beautiful if in a world filled with critics and people who are quick to discourage us, wouldn't it be beautiful if church was the place where we could come and we knew that people would encourage us in our dreams? Wouldn't it be beautiful if church was the place where we could come and people would say, I believe in you, keep going, well done, you can do it. Wouldn't it be beautiful if church if church were like that? Well, I've, I've left a couple stories hanging this morning, right? So uh, I've left poor Joseph hanging with, uh, with all of his dreams. If you want to know what happens to Joseph, the rest of the story is in the book of Genesis, and it's a good story. You can, you can read it. If you're not a reader, you can watch the movie, and Donny Osmond will sing it to you. And, and it's really it's worth following all the way through to the end. It's a great story, the story of Joseph. I'm not going to tell you the, the rest of that story this morning, but I do want to tell you the rest of Zach Brown's story. I do want to tell you what happened to that, that potato salad, right? So Zach Brown got to the beginning of August, and he discovered that he had $55,000 he didn't know what to what to do with he needed to recalibrate his dream and so he did some more dreaming and he, he made some decisions and this is what Zach Brown came up with he decided to throw a party he took over a park in Columbus and he threw a party that he called potato stock and he invited the whole city to come to this party he personally made 450 pounds of potato salad that he gave to people who who came to the party 2,000 people came to this party there were there were uh, vendors and and there was food and there was entertainment 2,000 people came to this party and had a great time at, at Zach's potato stock and then when it was all over Zach took all of the proceeds from the party and he took all of the leftover money that had been donated and he he gave it to a charity that works to permanently end hunger in, in central Ohio. Now, if, if God can do all of that with a dumb dream about a potato salad, if God can do all of that in Columbus, Ohio, then, then just imagine what God could do here. Just imagine what God could do with the children of this church. Just imagine what God could do with the young people of Flint. If only someone believed in and encouraged them, if only they knew that we were in their corner. Let's pray. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would make us an encouraging people, that you would make this an encouraging place. 
God, we pray that people would come to us and find the words they need to keep on going. God, we pray that people would encounter us in the world and find the spirit they need to keep pursuing the dreams that you have given them. God, we pray that our young people would dream dreams, that our old people would have visions. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would move among us and make miracles happen. In the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit.